debated on whether to just finish up and try to get to the end of Job and show you some things. Um, and I couldn't escape from the fact that there are some things I want to still learn and review with you from the life of Job and from his struggle with his understanding of God because I just keep learning stuff and um, I don't know how far along we're going to go. And I, We could do the whole book, but I think it will get kind of wearisome listening to him and his friends just complain through the whole book. I really, uh, uh, I think the deepest... The deepest uh, truths of the Bible are worth studying. I think that most people go to university and they never learn really anything uh, because they don't tackle the hard questions. The book of Job does. The book of Job asks over and over, where are you, God? And uh, there's an answer. And um, this ought to be a bestseller in every Christian's life. It ought to be something that you say, you know, maybe I just read through it once a year, but I need to read through and listen and weep with Joel, Job and struggle with him and learn from him because God put it right in the middle of your Bible for a purpose. So let's start in Job chapter 10 where Job asks and he says, if I only had an audience with God, I know what I would say. And that's, he's very emphatic. Job would rather argue with God than with people. And that's not a bad thing because it's easy to argue with flesh and blood. It's easy to argue and debate and maybe even win with them. But when you have deep scars and hurts, you need to talk to God. And you need to be able to tell him how you feel, ask him the hard questions. So Job questions God's purpose in all of this. So Job chapter 10, let's just read verse 1. He says, my soul is weary of my life. You ought to circle that word weary. Weary more means more than just tired. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. What he's saying is, I just want you to see me as one big complaint with you, God. So, Job is tired. That's a given. Months have gone by and nothing's changed. He is physically tired, but worse, he is tired in his soul. That's why he uses the word weary. He's tired of living. He's tired of carrying the burden of life. So even, and, and, and so all he can do is complain because he's so tired emotionally and uh, physically. And I guess, I guess my, my thing that I'm trying to get to is, do you ever feel that way yourself? Do you ever get where, mm, I just don't want to get up. I just don't want to try. I just, I'm just, I'm, all I know is I'm just going to complain all day long. So Job is only, he says, you're only going to hear complaints from me, God, now. Because that's all he feels he can do. And I, I'm going to sneak in some, some conclusions uh, that I would say for later, but I think they're very important to say right now. It is nice when you are frustrated, when you are defeated, when you are tired, it's nice to know somebody else is praying for you and believing God for you. When you can't praise God, it's nice when you know that somebody else is. And that's the work of a church. Job had no support. He didn't have anybody saying, Job, I know you're going through a hard time. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to praise God for you. I know you can't praise him right now, but I'm going to praise him. That is invaluable. Would you agree? 
So Job only knows how to complain right now. That's all he can do. Um, every once in a while, you'll see him claim a promise of God, but basically 99% of the time, he's going to express his frustrations, his dispo- dis- disappointments while he sits on that ash heap. Now, could you blame him? If your body was covered from the crown of your head to the tip of your toes with boils, that every time he would, now this is, I'm sorry, but I'm going to, every time he would break them and the pus would ooze out, another one would come up. He never got out of the health uh, problem that he had. He never uh, got encouragement. It just was day after day after day. So I don't know uh, if, if I could ever blame him for being and feeling this way. But there is no excuse for any of us continually to complain. Why? Why don't we have the same excuse? What do you think? Let me raise your hand. We have a completed revelation. He had so little. What were you going to say? We get, we, usually we get let up, but not every Christian does. I have known, I, uh, there's a, there's a lot of biographies to read as a Christian. One is by, one is a biography about a missionary named Adonai Judson who went to Myanmar. He went to Burma the day. For seven years he was put in prison by the Myanmar government because he was English, he was British, and so they just labeled all British, no matter who they were, as spies. And they put him in a hole in the ground, and the little slit that he was was available for air, they fed him through with moldy old bread and things, and he was in and out of that prison for seven years. It never let up. Now, you think, well, he got out in seven years. I can't comprehend going a month in that hole. Do you know what the Vietnamese used to do to American soldiers when they captured them? They put them in a box one meter by one meter. And they locked it and they left them there for weeks upon weeks and they would drip water into it. That's all they got. In that thing, they didn't get a glass, they didn't get a cup. When food, food was just dumped in there, they had to grab it or else it would fall through the floor. They were uh, put in where the, ref, where the uh, excrement was and everything. They just left them there. How do you survive that? How do you go on? So, uh, you know, the Messiah had not come. Jesus had not come in Job's day. We have the benefit of the fact we can look back and see God answering prayers, God doing great things. Whew. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Job, I think, has a right to complain, but we don't. Can we decide that tonight? We may want to, and we may have the same problems as he had. <sighs> But I don't, I don't have the need to complain. I have the need to believe God. So, Job starts firing a lot of fierce questions at God. And, and when he does, he doesn't believe he's going to get answers. You ever just vent at someone and then walk away? Because you don't care for the answer. You don't think that they're even going to pay attention to you. That's how Job feels. He makes some of the most, <laughs> some of the most discouraging statements you could ever make. I don't know. When I read and I hear, when I get to chapter 10, I always, on my my own spiritual joy level, goes... (laughs) And as I read the rest of Job, it's like I'm struggling just to breathe. And I think God does that on purpose so that I'm empathic. I'm empathetic, empathic, empathetic with him. I can feel what he feels. 
And so when you read here in Job chapter 10, you're going to sense he is discouraged. You know, after you read the book of Job for a little while, you need to go read Philippians <laughs> and sort of pick yourself up. I learned my first couple of times reading through my Bible, I was reading Genesis X, uh, Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to Revelation. But when I got to reading my Old Testament, for a while you get so low and you sort of say, oh, this is hard. I don't know who made the suggestion, but somebody said, why don't you read a couple of chapters in, in Old Testament as you're going along, and then the next day read a couple of chapters in the New Testament. It does balance. It does help you out psychologically, uh, spiritually. So he does not waste his time. As you come to chapter 10, he's given up on arguing with his friends. Who's he going to debate with? Who does he want to debate with? God. So there is more going on here than just Job and his three friends arguing. This is absolutely the reason why Job was written, because he's speaking of the struggles of the entire human race, as we, as any of us tries to do right, and then bad things happen. But Job is showing us a priceless fact of the abandonment one day of the Son of God. Job is going through this as a shadow of what Jesus was going to go through. If there's anything about your Bible, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 24. He, he says, in beginning at Moses, he expounded everything that was about him. He took him page by page and says, there I am. There I am. As Moses lifted up the serpent of the wilderness, that was a picture, an illustration of me um, uh, throughout the Old Testament. And I'm sure he pointed to the book of Job and he says, that was just a taste of what I experienced on the cross. So there was more going on with Job's complaint than just Job's trouble. So he asked some angry questions. Let's read along here. We're going to read uh, verses 2 all the way down, I think, 2 to 22. All right, here we go. And then I'll come back. And I will say unto God, this is what he says, oh, if I could just talk to him. I will say unto God, do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. Show me why you fight with me. Verse 3. It is good unto thee, is it good unto thee, that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thy hands and shine upon the counsel of the wicked. What does he feel like? He says, you seem to despise me, and you seem to honor wicked people. Verse 4. Hast thou eyes of flesh, or seest thou as a man seeth? Are thy days as the days of man? He's talking to God. Are thy years as man's days? As if to say, are you just human? Do you have a limited life? That thou inquirest after mine integrity, you're searching for my sin, and searches after my sin. Verse 7. Thou knowest that I am not wicked. And there is none that can deliver out of thine hand. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me together round about. Yet thou dost destroy me. Remember, I beseech thee. Still talking to God. That thou hast made me as the clay. And thou wilt bring me into dust again. You started with clay. Are you going to just dump me? Verse 10. Hast thou not poured me out as milk? And curdled me like cheese. Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh. Thou hast fenced me with bones and sinews. Thou hast granted me life and favor. And thy visitation has preserved my spirit. And these things hast thou hid in thine heart. I know that this is with thee. I know you know about all this. 
If I sin, then thou markest me. And thou wilt not acquit me for my iniquity. You don't seem to forgive me. If I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. I am full of what? I'm confused. Therefore, see thou my affliction. Do you see my trouble? For it increaseth. Thou huntest me as a fierce what? You hunt me like a lion hunts. And again, now showest thyself marvelous upon me. Thou renewest thy witnesses against me. You line up people that point out all of my flaws and increases thine indignation against me. Changes and war are against me. I never seem to win. Wherefore then hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Why was I born? Oh, that I had given up the ghost and no eye had seen me. I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. Are not my days few? Cease then and let me alone, that I may take comfort a little. Before I go whence, I shall not return, even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death. A land of darkness as darkness itself, as the shadow of death without any order, and where the light is only as darkness. So, lots of questions. You see, you see a very low, depressed, Series of angry questions. All right. First of all, he describes his relationship with God at this point as a wrestling match. How many... Is that how you would talk about your relationship with Jesus? Every morning I get up and I'm having to wrestle God off of me. Get away! (laughs) That would be awful. Would you agree? That's how he feels every moment of his waking day. He feels like God is on him like an enemy. He goes on and he asks, Is it a good thing that you're doing this to me? Is this something that's good? You're opposing a righteous man, he says. I'm even the guy. You made me. I'm no accident. At the same time, why would you think it is good to honor the counsel of wicked men and you seem to let them get away with stuff and yet you seem to be against me? He then is confused. And he says, you know, uh, God, I, I wonder, are you aware of what you're doing to me? Do you see what other men see? Verse 4, he says, hast thou the eyes of flesh? Now, somebody comes to me and somebody says, Pastor, I'm having a real bad day. I'm having a bad week. I'm having a bad month. And I may try to understand, but my eyes, my comprehension can only see two-dimensionally. I don't see the depth of the problem. I don't see the beginning. I don't see the end. And so he's asking, God, are you looking at me like other people just see? They just see me as I am right now, two-dimensionally? God, are you aware of what I'm going through? Basically, he's saying, are you blind? Now, that's not a nice thing to say to God. Can you imagine saying, God, are you blind? You know, when you're bitter, you'll say things that you would never say if you were aware of it. Take your Bible, turn to Psalm 10. Job's not the only one that struggles with what God is or is not aware of. Job, I'm sorry, Psalm 10 in verse 1. Brother Dean, I'll ask you to read that. Psalm 10, 1.
So David's in trouble. And where does he think God is right at that time? Isn't that awful? God, why are you hiding? <laughs> now, what is David, what is he, um, why is he saying that? Because that's how he feels. Go to chapter 13 and verse 1, uh, Patrick. <clears throat> 13 verse 1. I said so I meant Psalm thirteen verse one. How long will thou forget me, O Lord? Forever. How long will thou have thy face me? Wow. So he feels like God has forgotten him. Feels like God is hidden, he's not even looking. So don't think that well, okay, Job's got it all wrong. No. It's true he's got it all wrong, because God can't forget. He says, I've engraved you in the palm of my hand. But it feels like God has forgotten. It'd be like you're standing at a street corner. There's a Garda car down there. There are two Garda standing down there, 10 feet away from you. And a mugger runs up, grabs your purse, and runs off. And you're saying, stop, thief! Are you guys blind? Is what you would say, right? And they just stand there and you say, why don't you run after him? That's how Job feels. He says, how come you're not doing anything, God? He then goes on and he says, why are you looking for sin in me when there is none? Hmm. You ever felt like you were fine and there's there's nothing to be found? That's how he feels. And I probably think Job probably had no basic sin. Now, you see, we forget, even though I may not be sinning in a moment, I am still a sinner. It is going to always be that you will always... I, there is always sin going on in us. Hopefully, they're very small sins. But he says, you know I'm not wicked. Look there in verse 5. He says, I'm sorry, verse 7. Thou knowest that I am not wicked. He's trying to fight back. You know, um, it's nice to have a long stretch of time where there's just, you, you just temptation doesn't get at you. Um uh, yeah, just a victory and humility, and it just—it just feels good to just be right with God and right with people. But he says, "You know what, God? You seem to be trying to find sin that I didn't know I even had." Ah, maybe that's not a bad thing. He—he um, uh, he basically is wondering, "Why are you looking?" And you know what? There's none of us that can argue with you because when you find it, it's true. He then goes on and he says, you know what, I'm your creation and yet you are destroying me. You made me and yet you're destroying me. Um, it's like a, he, he's treating God like a child. When I sit down with Connor and Chloe, I, for the longest time, I have pulled out these blocks and we kind of don't do it much anymore, but I would, I would help Connor and we'd build towers. And then what would Connor do? Knock them all down. And so I would build, I says, let's build a tower. Hmm. And it would be, it would be like Connor building a tower. And it's, it is always fun, isn't it? To just knock it all down. And he's saying, God, you made me and yet you're destroying me. Why would you do that? Um, you know, um, let me just move on. He says, everything is wrong and confusing to me in my life. If I sin, 
You mark me and you won't overlook it. If I act wickedly, I am in so much trouble. If I'm righteous, I still am made to be ashamed. I am so full of confusion. And he says, don't you see my affliction? Don't you see my dilemma that I'm in? Because nothing was getting better. He actually says something that's really... uh, He says, you hunt me like a lion. Now, I'll say something later on. He was being hunted. But it wasn't God who was hunting him like a lion. Who walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he's made devour? Satan. So I'm just giving you to understand, he knew that there were, there, he, the, 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 the situation he was in was like God, no matter what Job did, God was coming at him like a lion. But it wasn't God. Job just didn't see it. And that'll be a revelation to you because I'll talk to you about perspective, how I can't see what's going on. It just feels like God is against me. Was God against Job? No, but it felt like it. <clears throat> he says, why do you birth? Why did you birth me? Look there in verse 18 again. He says, wherefore then hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Why did you give me life? Oh, that I had given up the ghost. He says, if my suffering is my purpose, <laughs> he says, if I'm supposed to suffer, why was I born at all? Here's a great question. How does that apply to the Messiah? Because that was the whole reason why Jesus was born, to suffer. Now, Job could suffer for no one. But in his suffering, he asks the honest question, if I'm supposed to suffer, why did you want me born? And the answer is never given to Job. Because the answer's in Christ, that the suffering is not about... Suffering comes because of sin. But the suffering, the birth for, the purpose of suffering was going to be the Messiah's whole purpose. So he asked, why did you birth me? Verse 19, oh, I should have been as though I had not been. That's kind of cute. I should have been like I should not have been. (laughs) I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. I wish I had died at birth. I wish I had never seen life. Now, what kind of life did Job have? Paul, before all this happened, what kind of life did he have? It was, it was, yeah, it was, uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart, James Stewart on It's a Wonderful Life. He had everything you'd ask for, um, and, and everything's going fine. But at this point, he says, I wish I had never experienced any of that. You know, when you're in sorrow, when you are, when you are peeling back scar after scar, when you are struggling to breathe, all the good times don't encourage you. You just wish you could die. That's why psychologists have, they spend so much time trying to understand things that the Bible says are only fixed by the Spirit of God. Let me tell you, only Jesus could step into a situation like this and help. Paul was able to say, because Paul knew the book of Job, Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rejoice in my infirmity, in my affliction, in my illness. So, do you think Paul ever had a moment after he got saved where he said, I wish I had never been born, Paul? The Apostle Paul. And you, no, I didn't ask you. Do you think you have? No, because I'm sure there would be several in this room who would be honest and say, I wish I had never been born. 
But what about the Apostle Paul? Do you think, after he got saved, do you think he ever had a time where he said, I wish I had never been born? You think so? I would kind of say no. I find someone who really has read the book of Job and has seen the book of Psalms and has gone through the book of Ecclesiastes. The one thing about the Apostle Paul is he has the attitude that we should. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But to stay here is more needful for you. He did want to die, but only to be with Jesus, not because he wanted to escape his troubles. And Job had, I'm sorry, um, Paul had troubles, didn't he? But he never said, I wish I could die. There's just, a Christian has every reason to stay in the fight, stay on course. I, I'm not saying that you won't say this. I'm going to say, shouldn't we strive so that we never say it? So we never get, so we forget, hey, I read the last chapter. It's going to be okay. He goes on and he says, why not leave my short life alone? I think this is kind of humorous. He says, verse 20, are not my days few? Cease then, stop and let me alone that I may take comfort a little. What's he asking? Could you just lay off for a little while? Can you just pull back and let me breathe? <sighs> then, he's, then he struggles with what happens at death. Now verse 21, he says, Before I go whence, I shall not return even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death. What is he referring to? Is he talking about his body dying, his soul dying, his spirit dying? What's he? What type of death is he referring to? His physical death. When you are hurting, <clears throat> you don't realize, I'm actually teaching you what psychologists spend years trying to grasp. When you are hurting... All you can do is hurt. All you can do is feel things physically. All you can do is see things physically and you connect it with the physical flesh and you just wish that you could get rid of it, that it would just die. Our, our, our. Let me, let me hold that for a second. He speaks of going bodily into a dark grave. He says, it'd be much better if I could just die and my life would be over. Place where I will never return from the grave. Now, has Job ever experienced or heard of or read about a resurrection yet? No. Biblically, nobody's been resurrected yet. So, I don't know if he knows. Now, he knows that one day he will be resurrected. He knows that. But he says, when I'm going to the grave... That's it. I'm not coming back out like a week later. So he's looking forward to just it all ending. What is what is the difference between Job and somebody who's suicidal? One of them's trying to hurry it up. They both have the same wish, but one of them says, I'm just going to end it all. Now, can you imagine a Christian being at that place? I know of some. Don't ever say, well, Christians would never feel that way. Christians shouldn't. But they get to that place and say, I, I, God's not killing me, so I guess I just got... No, 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 no. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to what? To kill and to destroy. That is not from God. 
Job wants to die, but he's not going to take his own life. He calls the grave the land of darkness. Is that not true? He actually says the shadow of death passes over the grave. It is a land of absolute darkness. Eyes, folks, when somebody's dead, they cannot see light, can they? It is to them, it is absolute. Their eyes are dark. Even light is darkness in the grave. But is there more to death than just the body dying? Yes or no? Now, as far as Job's concerned, he's not worried about going to hell. But he's not commenting on hell. Because there are some cults out there that will quote this verse and say, there is no life after death. So, you've got to realize, you're quoting from the wrong place. Job's not the guy to quote <laughs> to tell you about life after death. He just wanted to die. That's all. He wasn't trying to teach us about whether there was a happy place called heaven or paradise. He just can't even conceive of anything except, I just want to die. So, let's get some application and we'll finish this up. Here's what we need to learn. Number one, without Jesus, the suffering of the book of Job, the suffering of Job makes no sense. Would you understand that? Without, listen, if you were a Jew going through the uh, the Holocaust, and you read the book of Job, you know what you say? Yeah, I just want to die too. Job doesn't offer hope of, oh, everything's going to be fine. Unless you know that Jesus is going to come and suffer worse than Job, and suffer actually victorious, Job feels no victory. But without Jesus, without the New Testament, the suffering of Job makes no sense. And let me say this, Without Jesus, your suffering makes no sense either. That's why I don't care if you're in the hospital or you're in a, 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 a um, uh, what's an expensive car? A Royals Royce. Doesn't matter where you are, you must be born again because life and suffering makes no sense without Jesus. Job's suffering is a preview of the Messiah being judged for sins that he did not commit. Job says it. He says, why are you condemning me, fighting me like I'm some wicked person when I haven't done anything wrong? He's predicting, he is shadowing a day where God will judge a man who has really nothing on his account, no sin, and God judges him and kills him. Thirdly, Job is struggling with life and trouble as he sees it. That is very important because that's the problem. Most churches teach doctrine based on perception. What does that mean? What we feel like. They say what you want to hear. You have an itching ear and the minister at the front, most of them are becoming female, uh, the minister scratches behind the ear, doesn't tell you the truth. And so Job is, is showing us that you better not believe what you believe because you feel it. I've had too many charismatics, Pentecostals tell me, close the Bible, Brother Ledbetter. You're thinking too much. Feel it. Yeah. No. <laughs> I do want to have a Pentecostal heart, but I've got to have a Baptist head. I've got to have a biblical constraint on what I allow my heart to feel, but I do want to feel. Amen? I do want to be excited. So, let me let me take you through three great truths and we're done. Number one, perspective matters. 
Job can only see things from his viewpoint. He only sees things from down here. It's called horizontal. We just He just looks around. As a matter of fact, he probably looks more down than he looks at least sideways. He cannot see things from whose viewpoint? He cannot see things from God's viewpoint. So Job... All right, let me just use this. This is a great illustration. This is a volcano. All right? You know that. All right? But that's the perspective of somebody watching the volcano erupt. But that is a volcano. That is from 250 miles up from the space station, looking down on an eruption of a volcano up on an island just north of Russia there. That looks cool. Perspective shows you a whole different viewpoint. Show you another one. What are those? Those are stairs. Boring. Until you get a perspective and you look down on those stairs and go, cool. Perspective can take what looks plain, what looks like disaster. And if you could just see it from another view, you go, wow, God is working all things together for awesomeness, for good. So, Job didn't realize, he's crying out saying, if I only had God's attention. Did you know he always had God's attention? God was writing down every syllable of Job's complaint. Hmm. Job thinks that the lion is God attacking him when it was really who? Hey, when is it that Christians have trouble with seeing their enemy? Well, when you're getting close to God, okay. But when they take out their argument with people instead of with the spirit behind the people. See, my perspective is I somebody comes up to me and gives out to me and says, Pat there, and then just says something mean. I have time to think there's nothing she could ever say mean. I don't know what she could do. But anyway, Pat there. And i got to realize there's a spirit behind her. See, Job's blaming God for tearing at him, and he doesn't realize God's up there, and he's got Satan on a leash, but Satan is nibbling and chewing and tearing at Job, and Job only thinks God's doing it. So sometimes when you say, God, why are you doing this to me? It's not God doing it, is he? Usually. Usually we've done it to ourselves, or the devil's tearing at us because we've let him in. Third, Job is very confused about everything. Uh, can we relate? You just sit down and try to explain why a, a six-month-old, we have a we have a friend, she was here years ago, um, she had a little boy, and he got diagnosed with uh, cancer, and for the last, how long has it been? Three years. They've been in and out, Evan, uh, little baby Evans. What's a six-month-old doing with cancer? What's her last name? Joy what? Oppmann. They had a little baby boy, beautiful boy, and it's six months old. They diagnosed him. I forget the cancer. And they've been in the hospital, basically living there for the last three years. How do you answer the why? You just say, that's very confusing. I mean, they're trying to do right. They're trying to live for God. That baby is just an innocent baby. What, what could be wrong with the baby? Why would God do that? Sometimes it puts you over the top. You say, I have no answer. I'm confused about it too. Job welcomes death. This is how he looks. He can only see down. He just says, I just wish I could finish 
life. How could you welcome death if Jesus has given you life? Because your perspective is only down here. If you could get a view of God. What happened with with, um, Moses when he um, was tired of leading Israel? He had got them out of Egypt, but all he had were a bunch of complaining, murmuring, griping, bad-attitude Baptists. They came out of Egypt and they just kept blaming Moses. They kept wanting to go back to Egypt. And Moses went up to God and said, God, I've had it. <laughs> I, 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 I need to see you. If you, if you could just show me you, your presence, it would help me because right now I feel very alone. Right now I want to quit. Right now I want to drop them all. Can you just, Can you just give me a glimpse of you? And God says, no, I can't. But I'll do this. I'll put you in a cleft of a rock, a little hole in the rock. I'll cover you. I will pass by, and then you'll see the after effects of me. Will that be enough, Moses? And Moses says, bring it on. (laughs) And that encounter in Exodus chapter 33 helped him go 38 more years. Because he got a view of God. Because he kept looking at his brother, remember, his brother made an idol, a huge calf. His own, his own people so discouraged him, and that discouragement almost overwhelmed him until he got his eyes back on God. So Job, he didn't have what we have, and that is a different perspective. Job didn't know God was guiding his thoughts and his words and his feelings for our benefit. Romans 15.4 says the things that were written aforetime in the past were written for our learning. So all of these words in Job were written so that we would learn. It says that through the, pa- through, through, through the patience of scriptures. Good night. Go to Romans 15.4. It's too good to miss. Ah. Romans 15.4. Yeah, through patience and comfort. For whatsoever things were written aforetime in the past, or written in the Old Testament, were written for our learning that we through, what's the word? What did Job teach us? Patience. That we through patience and comfort of those scriptures that we might have what? Job didn't have any hope at that point, did he? But his life gives me hope. His struggle gives me hope. So sometimes, Brother Dean, let me tell you, in your future, I'm going to predict, I'm going to prophesy. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm going to predict that you're going to have trouble, and it won't be for you. It'll be for a few years later where you'll be able to say, and God got me through. It won't be because you did something wrong. It won't be because um, God just went on vacation. It'll be because you will be an example to someone else for their learning, and through their patience, and they'd have comfort and hope. So Job didn't know any of this. Job's perspective was, it's just me and I hate me. Second great truth. Job didn't know that God was keeping great records. Did you know, I don't have the time, but did you know when you cry, Psalms says, are not my, this is David, are not my tears, Kept in a bottle, in thy bottle? I don't understand it. I don't know. But evidently, God keeps your tears. He pays attention to your hurts. Blows me away. 
Jesus said to his disciples, sometimes he talked about different degrees of faith, but you know what he said? If you had faith like a mountain, is that what he said? If you just have a little faith, that can move a mountain, because he notices our little faith. We want to have great faith and say, God, look at my great faith. The Lord says, I was waiting for you just to have a little. So Job didn't know that God noticed even the little things. Jesus said, are not five sparrows sold for a farthing, two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten by God. God, even the hairs of your head are numbered. Job didn't know that. You do. Third great truth. Oh. God greatly rewards faithfulness. Three scriptures and we're done. I guess maybe I... Well, I don't know where they are. Drat. I don't have the last page. They were good. Anyway. <laughs> Trying to think of where... No, that's from this morning. No, no. Anyway. God greatly rewards faithfulness. Well done, thou good and faithful. All right. And God does reward. We'll read the last chapter in Job. And guess what Job gets? Double. Double. God does reward. If Job had taken his own life, if Job had just stopped even eating, if he just let himself die like he wanted to, he never would have seen God's blessings on just being faithful, even when you don't know how to breathe. Okay? Father, when we look at these chapters and these frustrated, angry arguments, we don't, we don't like it because it, it resonates. It's how we already feel. So when we look into this book of books, this Bible, teach us what we need to, to learn from such depths of sorrow so that when we hit the same deep valley that we have what Job did not have, and that's you. That we would seek to be filled with the Spirit instead of with bitterness and with complaint. Because it's possible that we forget these things and we become just like Job and I don't want to be like that. I have a better reason to just trust you, God. I have no guarantee that I'm not going to go through the same things as Job. But I do have a better hope. I know that every person in this room does too. So thank you for Job. Forgive us for imagining that we don't need it. We don't need to ponder. We don't need to learn it. When really it's probably... It's got to be a bestseller in the Christian's library. It's got to be learned. Thank you for teaching us these things tonight. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.